Welcome to the Pitching Backwards Lefties Get Loose Podcast. Here are your hosts, Griffin and Welly. Hi guys, welcome back to episode 6 of Pitching Backwards. Today we're joined by longtime professional baseball player and Twitter legend, Tim Diller. Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. Twitter legend? Has Twitter been around long enough to have legends? <laughs> I'd suppose you, you if there make was an one. exception, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, alright, thanks. All right, Tim, we're going to jump right into it here. So you have been a professional baseball player for 17 years. Do you yeah. remember your very first day as a professional ball- baseball player? Very first day? Um, I mean, maybe not the exact first day, uh, but it was 2003. So technically this was supposed to be my 18th season. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's supposed to be going on right now. But, yeah, that long ago uh, – <laughs> I don't know. I remember thinking that I had it figured out. Like I knew what to expect. Uh, my dad played in, in the big leagues and by the time I was born, he was coaching. So I thought I had an idea on, and a handle on how minor league baseball was, how spring training was and things like that. But I wasn't prepared, man. Suddenly you're, you know, you're not really good. You're just like everybody else, same level. You know, you can't really rate it as good, bad or whatever. It's like, we're all the same. And it was really tough to kind of go, how am I supposed to stand out? You know, and you have to stand out about how you perform. So it was just kind of a shock of like, wow, there's a lot of good baseball players in the world. (laughs) In what ways has the game changed from 2003 to 2020? Ah, man. I mean, I guess it got more uh, by the numbers you know, more uh, an- analytics and things like that, you know, as opposed to, like, I'll give you an example. In 2008, we were playing the Astros. I was in the big leagues with the Brewers. And one of the scouting reports was against Miguel Tejada, which I think he at the time was like 33, but then we found out later he was like 37. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, they, one of the scouting reports was like, okay, he had, he, bat, he bats 188 on on 2-2 curveballs. And I'm like, wow, that's that's legit you know like that's a good little stat the problem was i didn't throw a curveball you know so it was those word of mouth you know how they translate stuff and it's just gone super you know to the other extreme of like this is how you get this guy out this is how you do this This is how you do this but the problem is if you just go up there and not pay attention to hitters that's kind of what the flip side of that has been it used to be like feel out the at bat feel out what the hitter's trying to do pay attention and now it's more hey, if you throw a fastball up and in, this guy can't hit it. So then guys just try to throw fastball up and in every single pitch, and then suddenly the hitter makes an adjustment and crushes the ball up and in. And it's like, well, it says here he's not supposed to be able to do that. But the guy made adjustments, and you weren't feeling out the at-bat. So I would say it's, it's gotten a little bit, I don't know, where it's you don't have to pay attention as much. Or that's what it's alluding to, and that's really not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. So on our last guest feature, we had Corey Hart on, and he kind of mentioned the same type of thing where he was saying that, because we asked him about all of his multi-home run games, and he said that you get in these grooves where it's sort of, in today's era, kind of a guessing game. And it's like, you just get in a, in a motion where you know, like, you know, you're guessing right, and, you know, when you're that level of a hitter, you typically don't miss the pitch when you get it. Yeah, I mean, the hitters, especially the ones in the big leagues, they're there for a reason. You know, they're not there because they always know exactly what's coming. They're up there going, I'm going to make adjustments and hit what I'm given. 
Mm-hmm. And the best ones do it. You know, you look at someone like Vladimir Guerrero. It, it, you had to be careful. I never faced him, but people would talk about like you may miss a pitch and you know I'm trying to execute this and you miss a ball, and the guy slaps a double because it's an out of the zone pitch and it, it's very unexpected. So I think when hitters are in the groove, there's not many ways to get them out. They're just you just need to minimize the damage, and that's one of the things that players do. The pitchers will look and go, okay, what's this guy done over the last five games? You know, what's he been doing over the last 10 games? Because a guy can be batting 350 in minor leagues, and uh, by the time you face him, he's one for 20 before mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's not really, you know, so there's these trends people look at uh, when, they're, when they're facing a team. But, yeah, I agree with Corey, man. And there's times, like, you can go up there and be totally informed on what's going on and not be able to sniff a pitch. And then there's other times where it's like, I don't really know what's going on and rip three doubles. So. <laughs> So if you if you didn't play baseball, what would you have done? I don't know. <laughs> I'd probably be. I don't know. I had no backup plan. I took a, a test on a computer years ago in high school, probably like around 1998, and uh, I remember it said I was going to be like one of three or four things. It was like a comedian, a professional <laughs> hockey player, which I had never really played hockey, but I, I could rollerblade, so <laughs> I had that going for me. And uh, I forgot the other one. The other one was like digital something, like some some sort of marketing type thing. So I don't know. I don't know. I've done this the athlete thing for a while, so maybe it's time to branch out into something else. So having done the athlete thing for a while, if you have ideas. Let me know. How, how about the the? Do you want to be the third host of this show? How does that sound? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. No, actually, I got my own podcast I'm trying to do. I, my, com- my computer crashed this morning, so I couldn't post an episode, but I don't know. It's rebooting now. Hopefully, it'll install. There we I go. Got 10 more minutes to see if all my stuff's <laughs> gone or not. So, Tim, in your, in your professional career, you know, having done the athlete thing for a while, is there has there been a time where, you know, you've been in the minors for a while and you, you just are kind of, like, over it? Like, have you ever thought about hanging it up? Uh, not really. No, I, any chance I, I hang them up, it's because I can't find a job and they kind of get hung up for me, you know? Uh, but as long as I got the support of my wife, I mean, she, I wouldn't be playing this long if she wouldn't, if she was, you know, wasn't okay with it. <laughs> I have to get her permission every season uh, because everything falls on her. It, it gets hard because it's a, it's a hard life. And, um, I was talking to Eric Young Jr., one of my teammates the other day where uh, he was a guest on my podcast and I was talking to him and, one of the things that people, a lot of people don't know is, is how hard the baseball life is and how many people quit every year. That's, that's very, um, it's, it's a very real thing because guys get in baseball and they're totally overwhelmed by all the stress that it brings, by the travel, being away from home. Um, it's just, you know, it's mentally draining, spiritually draining, physically draining. So people have a hard time with that. And yeah, I, it, if you're not cut out for it or if you don't learn to deal with it, um, it'll eat you alive. But I don't know. I kind of grew up in it. This is all I know how to do. So, yeah, I just keep playing more so out of desperation. <laughs> <laughs> so this could be your first your first spring without pro ball since 2003. How are you feeling about all that's going on? Uh, I mean, there's really nothing you could do about it. So it's it's I'm one of these people like if I can't, you know, if I there's nothing I can do to change it. So I'm not going to waste time on it. I'm just going to kind of move on. That's why I started a you know, my own podcast and doing stuff on social media and 
I've been doing some writing and things like that, but basically just playing with my kids. I've never been home uh, during the spring, like once you know, the last couple of months. Once spring training was cut short, came home. I'd never been home at that time. I'd always been somewhere, mm-hmm. so it was strange. I had to do yard work and mulch and things like that that I just don't do usually. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, yeah, I can't wait to get back on the field. I, I hopefully we get out there soon. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an interesting next week or two weeks because that's when hopefully everything is all the details are ironed out and hopefully there's a an agreement made and, and baseball is going to be played soon yeah whatever they got to do to get it done just get it done like i to me to me it's 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 long overdue i feel like they could have been playing a while back but then again i'm not an expert i'm just missing baseball a lot so that's yeah. my bias yeah sure. us too <laughs> yeah so tim you mentioned that you've been doing a lot of your social media stuff since you know since we haven't been able to play and i have a buddy who is a big tim dillard fan and when he heard that you were coming on the show he wanted me to ask you what's your favorite lip sync video that you've ever made (laughs) i don't know i get asked that quite quite often actually and uh i don't know i just i make these videos and some of the ones that are the most you know fun aren't always the one that are the most popular uh, but, but I enjoy making all of them because it's basically getting the teammates together and, and, and you know, constructing a project to, uh, you know, if you, if you got together and built a sandcastle or Legos, you know, and you did it together, you can step step back and go, wow, we did that together. And it's that team building, that camaraderie. And that's what these videos are. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're just getting together and, you know, creating something just for the fun of it. And I don't know if I had to pick one video. Oof, it changes every time. But there was a video I did... <laughs> in uh man, probably 2016 ish where i lip sync a uh, a latin song and <laughs> anyway it kind of exploded it kind of exploded i was with one of my teammates that's uh from venezuela and we did a chino and nacho song which those guys i think they've recently broken up but they were they're from venezuela and so anyway we made this song and it got blown up to the point where i think they retweeted it so that was kind of a big no deal way. since they got millions of followers. But that was probably the most fun because I've never seen so much enthusiasm from, like, an entire clubhouse. You know, <laughs> we'd make these videos, and people would walk by and just be like, oh, they're making another video. But, I mean, we were in the equipment shed in the old spring training complex, and there was, like, 25 people crammed in there just wanting to see what we were doing. And uh, I thought it was a big moment for me just because it was really fun to just get to, get to know some of my Latin teammates and what they thought was funny and, and – and how it comes across, and I don't know. It was it was a good it was a good day. Is there a teammate who was like the hardest sell of like, hey, can you please be in my video? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know if I have uh, anybody that's really turned me down to the point where I was like, please. But I don't know. Once guys kind of see how the process works, it's really easy to find volunteers. Uh, it, I had an idea for a really, 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 really easy video in spring training. And so we had, uh, I'm with the Rangers now, so we're in uh, Surprise, and the Rangers just picked up Corey Kluber. The guy's won, I don't know, a couple dozen Cy Youngs or whatever he's got. But, <laughs> you know, he's, a, he's he's been in the World Series, and, you know, he's big time. He's big time. So I, I went up to him and said, hey, man, I was like, you want to be in a video? And he was like, he was probably looking on his phone or something by his locker. He just stands up and goes, sure. <laughs> I was like, all right. So we go to the, we go to the uh, equipment. Uh, room in the in their complex and sat there and we did uh, rookie of the year 
And he had no speaking lines. And he goes, what do I do? I say, just stand there and act like I'm teaching you how to pitch. And he goes, okay. And he kind of <laughs> didn't laugh or do anything. So I go, you understand that this is, is going to be comedic because it's the irony of me teaching you about pitching. And he goes, oh, no, 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 I got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. So anyway, we shot the video. And I mean, you think about unlikely people like, um, you know, I just, just, I don't know any, I'd never met him before, you know, that spring training. So I'm thinking, nah, he, he wouldn't go for this, but he's a great dude. So I think most people like to show their other side. Um, but baseball kind of stifles that sometimes when you're wearing the exact same thing, they tell you where to go, what to do, where to be, um, you know, it's hard to express yourself. So that's what these videos really do. And it's refreshing to see that. It's nice to see personality out of baseball. Sure. Yeah, we've been we've been a big proponent of that. Just trying to, you know, at least, you know, we don't have, you know, millions of people listening, but we're just trying to spread that, like, you know, guys who play pro ball are cool and they have personalities and they're actually people and they struggle with the same things as us. And, you know, that's kind of the fun of having done this whole podcast. Um, yeah, I think what's interesting is, is, you know, no one's immune to what goes on in life. You know, just because the guys on are on TV or they got millions of dollars or they're in the minor leagues and they're, you know, supposedly prospects or whatever, all of that changes. All of that is meaningless because we're still human and we're still going through hard times no matter what's going on. And um, I, I think, you know, when people say, oh, it really humanizes the players and stuff like that. I think what it is, it kind of drops that shroud of, you know, of, especially when it comes to being a male of like, oh, we got to look tough and we got to be proud and we got to, you know, keep our walls up and our mm. guard up and, you know, be strong and don't show any weakness. And I think <laughs> what I try to do is I try to disrupt that because to me, the greatest thing is when people are being honest and transparent because that's how you get to know people. And, you know, some of the videos that we do put out there really shows guys being honest and just honestly having fun and not being afraid to look foolish or silly. And, you know, that kind of goes against what, most people are used to seeing. I think the perfect way to describe that, that's actually how I learned about you years ago. I saw you lip sync a Kim Kardashian video and I was hooked. I love yeah. that. <laughs> I didn't even know who she was at the first one I did. Uh, <laughs> I was trapped in a basement. Um, I, I was staying with the host family in, uh, in Colorado Springs and I got snowed in for like four days and I had the, I just gotten a dub smash app uh, when it, came out and that thing's terrible now but at the time it had different clips and so it was this one where she's like you have no idea how hard you know she's crying about something and i didn't even know who it was i was just like i don't know who this person is 2015 or 16 and and uh i guess later on i'm like yeah i think i've heard of her like i know that she's popular or whatever but i did it and you know i put out all these videos because i'm stuck in this basement i got nothing else to do like there was too much snow i literally couldn't leave for two days and um yeah so I started putting these videos out and some of them were nobody liked, but this one got a lot of attention. I'm like, what is going on? So I had to do more research. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but she's... I've since done like, yeah, I've done like 10 of them now. <laughs> so what about, what about TikTok? Are you big into TikTok? I mean, I have it, but I don't know. I don't need, I don't understand it. Maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm too old. I don't know. I can't, it, it's like, I, I made one with the audio that they gave me, but then it, it just, they took it down. They were like, it's copyright. It's like, what? Well, you gave me the audio on the <laughs> device. Like, I don't understand what is going on with it. I, to me, it's, if you, you know, if you take the time to do it, because I think people are trying to make all this stuff look spontaneous, and it's really not. 
it really takes a lot of planning. Just coming from somebody that likes to shoot videos and stuff, mm-hmm. all of that stuff is super staged, takes a ton of time. They know exactly what they're doing, and uh, they, they make it look like it was just spur of the moment, mm-hmm. you know, but it's really it's really not. But maybe one day I'll figure it out. <laughs> so you're saying it's not like doing spontaneous dub smashes in a basement during a snowstorm? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was probably... I was, starting to get hungry and i was i was fading fast (laughs) (laughs) all right tim so so we're gonna ask you this um who is your favorite sidearm reliever ever uh well i really don't like myself that much so i won't say myself (laughs) uh, (laughs) probably like a like a bob tewksbury Mm -hmm. um pretty sure he had one of the best seasons of a reliever ever you know, and kind of brought some validity to the sidearm thing. You look at someone like Dennis Eckersley, mm-hmm. you know, he started, he relieved, you know, World Series guy. I mean, he's still talking baseball on TV today. I mean, those type guys really paved the way to, to just show that, hey, it's not gimmicky. These guys can get people out. And they took it up a notch of like, you can be the best that there is mm-hmm. at doing it. And I think that's carried over. I think every year you see more and more sidearm guys to the point now where, you know, if you're good in college and you're throwing sidearm, teams will pick you up. Teams will go, yeah, we like the way you throw. We're going to do that. Instead of like, oh, he throws hard over the top, and when he struggles, then we'll make an adjustment and he throws sidearm now. So um, probably those guys in the late 70s into the 80s and early 90s, those were the those were the guys that paved the way. Mm-hmm. Sure. Who's the toughest hitter you've, you've ever faced? Is there one or two guys that you just dreaded? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Yadier Molina is like five for four off me. I don't know how he's done that, but it's it's a new analytical like, thing, like you were talking about. I yeah, think. God, yeah, that extra hit that he got without going up to the plate—that was just a that's a mental thing that's, I have to deal with. That's incredible. No, I, well, I think, but it was ended up being good. Uh, him, I faced the Cardinals, and I don't know what year it was—2011, maybe—and it was Rafael for call was on that team, mm-hmm. and Yadier Molina. And it was something about their swings because I, they weren't hitting it hard, but they were hitting doubles down the line like different ways. Like they would hit opposite field and then they would pull one. And I'm like, what is going on? And I learned about bat path. I learned about what hitters are trying to do uh, with they have a level bat and how it's in the zone and how my pitches, um, you know, go into that bat path. You know, just because they hit off the handle doesn't mean it can't be a hit. You know, as long as they're behind it and doing what they're, you know, getting to the ball how they're supposed to. Otherwise, they may miss it and hit off the barrel at the end of the bat, but they're still hitting it. So then how do you miss the barrel? How do you miss the barrel when it's going through the zone like that? So I actually, that was a very big eye-opener for me. But yeah, those dudes own me. Mm-hmm. Well, not to mention that Yachty is like one of the you know, best baseball minds potentially ever. And you know he's yeah, going to sure. think his way through an at-bat, and I'm sure that doesn't make it any easier. Well, I mean, I, you asked me about like just one guy there's probably like 50 guys that i just don't like to face (laughs) (laughs) that just that just own me you know there's been several over the years that you've probably never heard of of these guys that just for whatever reason you know i'll go through a lineup face you know 18 people give up two hits a double and a home run and it's one guy that i face twice it's Mm -hmm. it's hard to understand Mm -hmm. but some people just some people, it's just the matchup. There was a guy named Orlando Calixte that played for the Omaha Storm Chasers in the Royals organization. And this guy was batting like 180. But he scrolls into town. He'd gotten hot like his last five at-bats. 
And I looked at that, and I'm like, he's doing something different, guys. Let's find out what he's doing. So the first at bat, he shoots a ball. He's batting like ninth. He shoots a ball opposite field down the right field line, gets a double. And it's like, all right, well, it looks like he's trying to go oppo. And sure enough, next at bat, double down the line, like the right field line. And you're just sitting there going, well, this guy's got one purpose in mind. That's all he's trying to do. So whatever pitch he saw, a fastball away, that's what he was doing. And so the next pitcher going there, I'm trying to warn him, and boom, another double. So out of a four-game series, this guy gets like 10 hits, has like nine doubles. It was ridiculous. And I got to face him the last day, and I'm like, there's no shot. I'm not letting this guy hit a ball to right field for a double. And, you know, I just kept burying him down and in because I thought, okay, what's the difference between thigh high away? You know, where do I need to go? Let's mm-hmm. go down and in. So you just try to see where guys are doing their best and try to do the opposite of that. You know, if they're hitting hard stuff, throw slow stuff. If they're hitting the slow stuff and waiting on it, you know, throw something hard. It's just about being aware. And uh, I don't know, man, that guy had a lot of people's number for a little while when he caught hot. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, what is the most minor league story that you have that summarizes minor league baseball as a whole? Man. Um, I don't know. I, I think I tweeted a text one time uh, between me and my wife, just giving her an update on whether we're going to play or not. Just because you're kind of suspended in midair when there's a rain delay, especially as you get older and you got wife and kids and, hey, should we come to the game? It's like, well, we're not going to play till late 30. It's like, well, what do I do with the kids? You know, if game starts at 8.30 and, you know, they got school the next day or can't put them in bed at midnight or 1 or, you know, it's just like this idea of not knowing what's going to happen next. Like, that's the most minor league thing <laughs> that you can even say because you, you have no control over it whatsoever. And I think that's really hard for people to come to grips with. But I've learned to enjoy it even because it's every day is a surprise. But I don't know. One time in 2006, we were on a bus. I forgot where we were going, but it was about 2 a.m. And uh, we were in the Southern League, so maybe we were some, somewhere outside of Birmingham or Montgomery. Mm-hmm. And we're on the highway, and everyone's asleep except for the pitching coach. I look up ahead, and I can see his head kind of – I can't sleep on buses, so I just kind of sit there. I'm cool with that. And I see this thing. It looks like a shadow in the road, but it wasn't. It was a telephone pole that was down, fell off the back of a truck, and we hit that sucker going like – 80 <laughs> oh, oh man and it, it and it like the front two tires of the bus went over it and then it kind of stopped luckily we didn't flip over or anything but and it cracked the windows on both sides of the bus uh right in the middle like it buckled or whatever so our shortstop with sleeping had his head up against the window and it just you know cracks oh right gosh. on his head nobody was hurt everybody was fine nobody got cut or anything and uh so we get out and we helped kind of push everything like we got the bus off of the thing and uh we helped the bus driver bang out like the wheel wells and then we just got back on the bus and kept driving so it was like <laughs> <laughs> didn't even skip a beat we pushed, yeah yeah we were just like and we had this amazing story but like after a couple of days everybody forgot about it because there was something new coming up that we just looked like oh yeah <laughs> that, i think that sums up minor league that's baseball a pretty, pretty good well. one that's yeah. a good one yeah <laughs> well you get hit with adversity and you just gotta keep going like you just that's the only way to do it. It's the only way to do it because it's easy to give up. It's lazy. And I mean, that's anybody can just sign up to be lazy and quit. So when it gets just expect it to be hard, expect it to be adventurous and not always the most positive way. And that's why I try to tell some of the young guys like, man, enjoy this time. I mean, just because things aren't going well, doesn't mean it's just, 
you know, suck the joy and fun out of your day, out of your life, you know, embrace this stuff and learn from it and find a way to enjoy it because that's, that's where you really start to just, I don't know, you figure it out. You know, people are like, hey, when did you figure it out? When I figured out how to have fun regardless of my circumstances. That's, that's probably the moment. Yeah, that's perfect. What's the, like, the coolest baseball item you had growing up as a kid, whether it be a jersey, a hat? What was your favorite thing? Favorite thing? Man, I had a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I, like I said, I grew up in a clubhouse, so um, I had to, let's see, man. Sorry, my house burned when I was 16, so I had this huge collection, and it kind of all got burned up. But uh, I don't know. The coolest thing I have at the time was a A-Rod card. Uh, my dad was coaching with the Astros in the Midwest League in A-Ball, and he had Billy Wagner on his team. So mm-hmm. Billy Wagner, the closer, yeah. left-hander, sidearm. Uh, I would shine his shoes. I was his shoe shine boy. I sh- whole team shoe shine boy. I would say 50 cents a shoe, Billy. And, um, anyway, it sounded better than a full dollar. Uh, but anyway, he goes to the all-star game and he brought back a deck of cards and I thought, Oh, that's cool. You know, he didn't have to do that, but man, that shows what kind of guy he is. Like he's looking out for even the little guy like me. And about a year or two later, I'm looking through these cards and I find Alex Rodriguez card for the Appleton Foxes. And at the time, I mean, A-Rod was Mr. Everything. Like he was just playing baseball in a different world than everybody else. That's how good he was. And I had his very first card ever. Mm. And it's almost like a limited release thing. Like they weren't just, you couldn't just go to the store and buy this thing. You could go on the internet. It didn't exist. So you're just kind of like, how in the world did I have this card? And so I took it to a store and I got like the biggest plastic thing, you know, like the, it's like a cube, like a brick of uh-huh. glass and you put the card oh, in yeah. there and then you, you put like the big screws in there because it's the most important card ever. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I had. That was my, that was my prized possession, man. I had that sucker on the shelf, and I would look at it and be like, wow, that card's going to be amazing. Anyway, so fast forward to 1998-ish when my house burned down. Uh, <laughs> that thing, I found it. <laughs> that card had melted into, like, this weird ball. So I could see A-Rod, and he's all twisted up in there, but <laughs> the card was ruined. Oh, that's uh, heartbreaking. But, but, yeah, but I had a few things that did survive, and I have a – I have a card. It's got Taco Bell on it. It was like a giveaway card at the game uh, of Ernie Banks. And I got in and I met him and I got it signed. And he wrote on it, uh, Ernie Banks, you know, he said, uh, hey, Tim, it's like never, you know, never give up. You know, <laughs> Keep going. And I thought, how, how legit is that? The one thing that survives this fire of my whole collection is uh is ernie banks telling me to keep going so mm-hmm. that's awesome. anyway i just you, you know it does, you talk about stuff that you like or memorabilia and stuff like it can change it can change over time because mm-hmm. something is going to mean more to you later in life than you know when you're a kid mm-hmm. what's your weirdest fan interaction that you've had at a baseball field weirdest fan interaction wow uh de- de- depending depending what the definition of weird is i guess <laughs> we're all pitchers um, here we can make it up on our own <laughs> uh there's this lady in omaha uh, i'm not sure what year about three three or four years ago she comes down the bullpen she's like hey she's holding a little baby she's like hey we're huge fans my husband you know we're all huge fans of your twitter account and stuff like that we're from milwaukee so we've kept up with you over the years do you mind if we get a picture and the way the Omaha bullpen is, like, you really can't get close to the fence. You're kind of down in a hole in center field. So 
uh, she kind of takes a picture holding her baby with me in the background. So I'm just like, hey. So the next year, sure enough, I'm in the minor leagues again, which is pretty much all I do. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're back in Omaha, and she's got this kid. This kid's a year older, and she's like, hey, let's do this again, you know. And so I take another picture. The third year rolls around. <laughs> this kid can walk now. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we recreate the picture, and then um, I think it was three years in a row, yeah. And then – we were supposed to go to Omaha like a couple weeks ago. But anyway, this lady tweeted, they actually made my little, my logo that I made of myself. They uh, used sidewalk chalk on the sidewalk. And that was, they tried to recreate the picture that way because we didn't have a chance to go to Omaha. But I don't know. I just, I don't want to classify that as weird. I think that's just the, the I don't know, the moments in baseball where you're just like, we turned, you know, a seemingly meaningless game that, you know, people are watching, but they'll forget probably, who knows. But you make it meaningful by, I don't know, just the tradition of baseball and interacting with fans and fans interacting with players and finding something positive and wholesome out of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so on the other hand, because of your Twitter presence, have you ever had any weird interactions or let's say odd that are outside of a baseball field, like somewhere in public? Uh, yeah, I mean, I get recognized. It's really strange. Um, is that what you're talking about? Like just... Yeah, like, has anything ever happened? Like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I've, you know, I play Division three baseball, so I won't, you know, I won't know that feeling anytime soon. But like, I can imagine you, you know, you're at a store and somebody like, you know, bombards you, you know, while you're at the grocery store or something like that. Like, do you ever have anything yeah. weird like that happen? No, I mean, bombard. Yeah, what? Who am I, Kim Kardashian? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, the other day, actually, the other day it was January. January, I was going to, I was flying to Arizona to be part of. Uh, Brewers a fantasy camp. Um, I'm one of the coaches, probably one of the only coaches that have in fantasy camp of baseball anywhere that's still playing. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm one of these coaches and I'm sitting at the airport. I'm, I like to get to the airport early because I just, you know, you never know. So I just like to make sure I'm there. So I'm there. I got my, got my Auntie Anne's pretzels and I'm just chilling. And uh, this guy like was getting on a plane across the terminal and he starts walking over and he comes right up to me and goes, Hey, I hate to bother you. He's like, are you Tim Dillard? I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, man. So he introduced himself and, you know, introduced me to his son. His son's like 12 or 13. And and uh, we, we talked for a minute and he talks about, you know, I enjoy following you on Twitter. You know, congratulations on playing baseball so long. And I was like, listen, I don't want to bother you, but I think your flight's leaving. You may need to jump on. You may need to get back in line. And uh, he was like, oh, yeah. So anyway, he told me his name and I looked him up on Twitter and I found him. The pictures matched up. So I just messaged him and said, hey, man, hope you made your flight. And uh, we've kept in touch, and I actually um, uh, had lunch with him a couple weeks ago and because I, I had talked to his 13U baseball team that he teaches. We did a Skype or a Zoom thing or something. And uh, anyway, he wanted to give me thank you notes from those kids. So um, I got a whole stack of thank you notes from these kids that, you know, got to hear me babble on on this video call. But I don't know. I think I, I, I want to be approachable. You know, I, th I had as a kid – I would see some of these baseball players. I'm like, I don't even want to bother them, man. Like, I don't even want to ask them for an autograph because I just, I don't know if they're mm -hmm. approachable or not. So I've always just wanted to be approachable and just know that what you see is what you get. I'm not trying to fake anything. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's time for a new segment. We're pretty excited about this. Whoa. We have this or that questions for you. Oh, like the food thing. Eh. It's, I'll you... always pick Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> me too um okay 
The first one, triple digit heater or a wipeout slider? Triple digit heater or wipeout slider for me? Yes, which would you rather have? Might as well throw triple digits. Throw that from sidearm, man. I don't know. That's hard to maintain. Very few people on the planet can do that and not get hurt. So, I don't know. I think I got to go wipe out slider. Ooh. Hot take. First one of the day, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next one is MJ or LeBron? Michael Jordan. Really? No hesitation? No hesitation. I mean, I grew up at that time. I watched this. I had WGN. I had four channels, and... I watched like every Michael Jordan game for a decade. That's just all we had. And to see the things that he did and what he accomplished, I mean, it's just, it's unheard of. It's unheard of. And just seeing it and hearing people talk about it now, fast forward 20 years later, people are finally getting the idea, especially in this documentary that came out. Yeah. Gotta go, Michael. No, that's not dogging LeBron James at all. He's an amazing player. It shows where the game's evolved to, but Jordan was doing some things that, nobody's done and still hasn't done mm-hmm. i think that's a way to make a 40 plus year old mad is to say lebron's the goat <laughs> that's a i've never had i've that's never been a well-received thing anywhere i've ever been um well i mean i, I think nostalgia comes with it too when you talk about i guess my era of, <laughs> which i'm not 40 by the way i know i'm just giving you a hard time <laughs> I, know, I know i but i think people like, people get nostalgic about it because it's like that's what they grew up on uh, but at the same time, you know, you look at all the awards, and one of the things that people talk about is, like, LeBron doesn't play as good a defense or something like that, or Jordan didn't play defense, or, you know, there's assists. Like, it just depends on how you're measuring the player. I heard somebody was making the argument that all Jordan did was score. You know, he would score as many points as he could. It's like, well, the guy was, like, defensive player of the year three or four times. I mean, he led the league in steals several times, like, you can't just discount some of that stuff. He's playing both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. so it just depends on it. Just depends on how you're measuring that. That's such an impactful thing, and honestly, it doesn't matter. <laughs> They're both good players, mm-hmm. and it's funny too. Like, is that the worst thing in the world? Like, all Michael Jordan does is score. Like, all I he wish- does is put up thirty a game. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Huh? Like, that's I wish I wish he would just stop scoring so much. <laughs> um, so, yeah. next, this or that question: You fly a lot. You travel a lot. Your choice of snack on a plane. Pretzels or peanuts? Uh, I mean, if they'll give me both, I take both. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I go, I go pretzel. I'm a big pretzel guy. Yeah. Um, I got big into. I've been eating hummus for like the last three or four years. Really love hummus. Didn't even know what it was. Never heard of it. Had it. Love it. So apparently, it's kind of good for me, or at least it's not bad for me. And so I always dip pretzels in there. So anytime I can get my hands on a pretzel, I'm pretty good. Okay, here's the one I'm most excited about. What felt better? Your three career home runs, or getting back from your Twitter suspension. Uh, I mean, if Twitter never, if I never got Twitter back, I think I'd still be fine. Okay. <laughs> of course, if I didn't hit, if I didn't hit three home runs, I'd be fine. But uh, each each of those home runs was pretty special. So, um, I think I had three or four. I think I have three. Yeah. Uh, each one of those has its own special story that Twitter. Just because I got suspended on Twitter doesn't really mean anything. But um, I was actually, like I said, I was talking to Eric Young Jr. the other day, and I hit a home run in New Orleans in 2016, and he was on second base. And it had been like 10 years since I hit a home run with anybody on base. (laughs) And uh, I just didn't know what to do. I ran around, and I got the home plate. I even forgot he was on second. I looked up. He's just like wide-eyed and just big old grin and (laughs) ready to high-five me. And 
I was just like, wow, it's, it's one of the first times I ever felt like, hey, you're not just a pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that like that was a good moment. Another one, 2006, I uh, hit a three-run home run in Jacksonville, Florida against the, I don't know what they were, Jacksonville Suns and Dodgers, whoever the Dodgers were at the time. I think Matt Kemp was there. That whole crew that was coming up, mm-hmm. uh, Andy La- Andy LaRoche, trying to think, uh, Sin Chu Chu, mm-hmm. no, not Sin Chu, uh, uh, Chin Lung Hu, and anyway, those those type of generation guys, and whoever was pitching on the mound was like one of the best pitchers in the league. So me and him were kind of dueling it out, ended up getting a good pitch, hit a ball, pretty deep in the left, three run homer, came in, I was super jacked, and I ripped my fingernail off because it was so hot that day. And uh, if you're a pitcher and you throw a lot of pitches, man, if you if you're not keeping, you know, take, taking care of, you know, of your nails, like they can just rip off. And so I had it rip like halfway through my pointy finger, my pitching finger. And the trainer was like, man, let's just take you out. It's like the sixth or seventh inning. I'm like, no, man, this is my game. I'm getting back out there. So we put some super glue on it and I ran back out there and gave up six runs. <laughs> <laughs> There's no so justice. That was another lesson. <laughs> what a warrior. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he really just went through the pain and gave up the game. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Next, this or that question. In your eyes, what is better, your Tim Kirchin impression or your Harry Carey impression? No, oh, I love Harry Carey. Uh, the Tim Kirchin thing, I kind of just did on a win one time, and uh, guys on the team heard it. They started getting me in front of like the rest of the team and coaches, staff, and you know, trying to get me to do impersonations. And then that got around to Tim Kirchin, and so. I ended up being confronted by him in 2011, and uh, anyway, that was fun. He's awesome. I, I don't know if I've never met a guy like Tim Kirchin. He's he loves his job more than anyone I've ever met, and uh, anyway, I respect that because that's I don't know. I wish I, every day I'm like, man, if I can just enjoy what I'm doing as much as that guy, I think I'll be doing fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but you can't. But Will Ferrell's Harry Carey and Harry Carey. I, that's who I grew up on. Was, watching uh, WGN with the Cubs. And my dad actually played with the Cubs and ended up coaching with the Cubs years later and uh, got to meet Harry Carey and Steve Stone in the booth. Uh, not me, my dad, but I had a VHS copy of it. So I always loved Harry Carey. So hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we were hoping we could get you to do just a little snippet for us. <laughs> well, someone's told me no one's playing baseball. Well, who have I been watching for the last four months? <laughs> <laughs> so great. I don't know. I got I got nothing. I'm not a very spontaneous guy, so <laughs> that is fantastic. Okay, here's the last this or that question. So okay. eliminate your career in your head. You're starting fresh. You can That's be <laughs> you can be a pitcher or a catcher. Which do you choose? Man, I, I mean, I don't know. I always wanted to be a catcher. I actually still thought I was I could be a catcher up until like two thousand probably 10-ish, 2009, 2010, because um, I was drafted twice as a catcher by the Brewers. Mm-hmm. And, and and when they ended up signing me before the 2003 draft, they were like, hey, we want you to pitch. We think you'll have a longer career, better chance to get to the big leagues. And I was like, oh, man. But at the same time, it's good to be wanted. You know, you, you always – I mean, that's what you're looking for, especially in baseball. You want somebody to go, yes, we want this guy. And they were doing that. It just wasn't the way I thought, you know, the way I hoped. But I was I spent so much time on perfecting my craft as a catcher, everything, blocking, throwing people out, calling a game. Um, I don't know. I, I could hit. That's why I actually ended up getting hurt. My left shoulder, my non-throwing arm. I used to swing really big, 
And uh, I, I wasn't a really big home run guy, but I knew how to play the game. And that's what I loved to do. And you were involved in every pitch. So I loved being involved in every pitch, catching it and then getting the hit and then all the stuff. And then all of a sudden, next thing I know, I blink my eyes and I'm a bullpen pitcher. Now that I'm sidearm bullpen pitcher, it's like <laughs> I do as much as the bat boy. <laughs> you know, me and the bat boy are interchangeable. If no one went and got the bats, they would be like, Where, where's the bat boy? You know, <laughs> nobody picks up the foul balls down the line. They'd be like, where's Dillard? I get the foul balls. <laughs> so I, I would definitely pick catching just because it's, it's such a hard thing. Uh, and th- this is stuff you don't know in spring training, man. They catch like 10 bullpens a day. It's ridiculous. And then sometimes even when the games start, they still got to catch games after that. It, mm-hmm. I, I mean, like six, seven, nine innings. God, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I think the last question we have for you is, when your playing career is over, what do you want to do? I don't know. I'm, I need suggestions. <laughs> I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that... I don't know. I just something comes along. Um, I'm not really worried about it like I used to be. I, I about eight or nine years ago, I thought, "What am I going to do with my life?" Because uh, no baseball team was would, was hiring me. The only way I could get a job was in Mexico. I went to Mexico for a month and uh, ended up getting fired, and then went and played independent ball for a month and got picked up, and I got back into affiliated ball, and that that was kind of the process for a couple years. And it helped me really appreciate the game. It helped me appreciate the perspective that it gave me to the point where, you know, I I should be a better planner, but I used to be that. I used to, you know, worry about what was coming next and go, oh, no, what's, what's going to happen? Instead of just trusting that maybe the Lord knows what he's doing and that I can, you know, enjoy the moment, not being negligent of the future, but not being stressed out about it. So I do think something will be there. I don't know what it is. It may not be exactly what I want, or maybe it will be. I don't know. I'm not really going to concern myself with that. But anyway, I just hope it's something tied to baseball because, I don't know, baseball is the greatest game in the world. Mm -hmm. What about announcing? Would you ever get in the booth? Yeah, I would love to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My voice changes. My voice changes. Every time I get a microphone in front of me, I'm like, hey, everybody, welcome to (laughs) – I don't – do you, do you ever do that? You guys have a podcast. You yeah, have a yeah, it no, happens. Definitely. It happens. Yeah. You're like, hey, let's get this microphone going. Okay, it's on. Hey, everybody, welcome <laughs> for another day. <laughs> why it's are like, you doing that? I don't know why I'm doing that. My voice is just it's just changing this way. You know. So everybody um, calls Griffin the Golden Voice. <laughs> oh, because he's a journalist. He's a got voice? he's got he's got Thank a little you. bit of a journalism voice going. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Tom, I'm standing here outside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like, you're sitting next to me. What are you doing? <laughs> that yeah, is... I, I don't have a very good vocabulary, so I don't know what kind of vocabulary is required. Um, I went to junior college for a couple years, so hopefully that's prepared me. You know, it's been 20 years, but I think that schooling could help. <laughs> <laughs> well, we would love to see you in the booth. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would. Hopefully yeah. you guys make it to the show, and I do too. And if we don't play against each other, at least I can call the game that you're in. There we go. Perfect. Well, Tim, thank you so much. You answered all the questions we have for you. It was awesome to talk to you. So thank you so much for for joining us this morning. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in to Pitching Backwards, Lefties Get Loosed, a podcast about all things baseball. Give us a follow on Twitter at PitchingBCKWRDS and join us in loving America's pastime.